Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Kyle. Thank you. I love you. Appreciate you. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. For some of you, this might be your first time here, so we welcome you. Uh, some of your family members are not here. They're probably cooking and preparing for tonight uh, because you're going to party tonight. You're going to have fun. Uh, but be safe tonight, okay? And then afterwards, we're going to be in our covered courtyard. We're going to do our candlelight service. And the reason why I like the candlelight service and that time is for us to be reminded that Jesus Christ will always shine. And he will always live in and through us. He will always cast out darkness in this world. And it's a reminder for us for what Christ has done in 2014 and then what he will continue to do in 2015. And I know some of us, we're looking forward to next year, which is tomorrow. It almost feels like there's a clean slate, right? Like you can start off brand new, that you don't want to be stuck in the same place or you feel like you can move forward because it gives you an, it gives you an excuse to start something fresh again. Not just the dieting or I'm, I'm going to stay away from sweets or things like that. I mean, come on, get real. We live in Hawaii. We live around food. So if you're going to try and go on a diet, make it a good one. Don't just say, ah, skip everything. I'm just going to eat dirt. No, find something that, you know, is healthy for you and, you know, eat healthy. But don't just try something that's going to kill you just so that you can lose weight. You want to be healthy. But I think that's what we do. We, we look for things that are going to give us that brand new start. And that's what tonight is all about, that we can gather together as family, as the church body, and then we can pray to the Lord and say, Lord, we are so thankful for 2014 and we want to finish strong, but we also want to look forward to what you're going to do in 2015. And that's what we're here, that's why we're here tonight. Some time ago, my brother called me up, he lives on Oahu, and his name is Daron, but we call him D for short. So he said, he said hey, Sheldon, oh, the other day... I was in traffic for the longest time. And I said, see, that's why, Oahu, your traffic is unreal. He said, no, no, See, what happened was I was looking for the shortest lane. So I went in that lane, and then I waited, and everybody slowed down because we were at, a, at the stoplight. So I waited and waited. Then people started going, and I was thinking, well, hurry up. Why is not, why, how come our lane is not moving? So he waited, and then the light turned red. And he's getting frustrated. He's trying to look at the guy in front of him. Couldn't see because his car is tinted and he's getting frustrated. So he wants to pull out, but no one's letting him in. So he just waits and waits and waits for a long time. Then the light turns green. People go, turns red again. So he's so frustrated. And then he sees this guy walking. And so he's watching the guy. He comes around and he goes in the car in front of him, puts on his blinker and pulls out. He's like, hey. And he looks at the car in front of him. He can see he's in the park lane you know, on the side of the road, you can just park. That's where he was. He was in the park lane for the longest time, waiting. There's nobody in the cars. And I told him, I said, you know me even Portuguese. And you, just playing. Some of you in stop lab, you're like, ha, ha, what? Hey, I Portuguese. But sometimes we think, oh, we can move on in life. We can move forward. But if you're in the wrong lane, you're not going to go anywhere. So tonight, get in the right lane, get on the road that God has for us because he has the plans that he has for us. It's for good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. If you have your notes, you can take them out and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And I love this portion of scripture because Paul the apostle is helping those in the area of Philippi to become more Christ-like. And Paul the apostle, you know, he met Christ, he knows everything about the laws of God. 
But because his life was transformed, he's now able to teach from the side of knowing God and his laws, but also knowing about God and his grace and his provision and his purpose and his love for us. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 16, Paul says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own, on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. See, for many of us, we have a tendency to focus on us, and then we become more and more like us rather than more like Jesus. And then we find ourselves stuck there for a long time. But what Paul is giving us is a way for us to appreciate what God has done, that we hold on to the progress we have already made, but we also look forward to the things that God will do in our lives. 2015, for us as a church, the word that God gave to us is renewal. That he wants to renew us. He wants to renew our hearts, our souls, our minds, our lives. He wants to renew us as a church body. He wants to bring renewal. And so when we look ahead into 2015, our year of renewal, it's not going to be just the building and us coming to the building that's going to make a difference. It's going to be each individual that makes up the difference of being renewed. And so God wants to help us to be renewed, and he's going to give us all the wisdom and power and strength we need so that we can be renewed in our marriages, in our families, in the way we think, in our community. He wants to help us. So our aim, and we're going to look at three fundamentals of how we can look forward into 2015, how we can be renewed. And the first thing is to commit to grow in becoming more like Jesus. Just make that commitment. And commitments are difficult because we, we fear that we're going to fail. But when you commit to Jesus Christ, it's different than the kind of commitment that we make with some type of uh, promise that we make. With Jesus Christ, when we say we're committed to you, he commits back to us. So he's going to give us the strength and the energy and the know-how the wisdom to do what we said we're going to commit to. So if we're saying, Lord, I'm going to commit to growing in you and becoming more like you, then guess what he's going to do? He's going to commit himself to you in helping you grow and become more like him. That's what he does. That's why it's called a relationship, not religion. 
Religion is man's attempt to be more like God or, or get to God, but relationship is God's attempt to come to man so that we can become more like him. He initiated it first, and that's why we have this relationship with him. And it's not just retaining more knowledge. Sometimes we say, I, I need to know Christ more, and then that's good, but just knowing Christ in itself can become dangerous, as the Bible says, knowledge puffs up. But just retaining more knowledge is not going to help. So it's not just retaining more knowledge, but loving Jesus more than the knowledge of Jesus. So it's not just, oh, I'm going to know about Jesus more. I'm going to love Jesus more. I'm going to love him. I want to be more like him, not just know about him. Because there are many people who know about Jesus. They study Jesus. They know probably more than we do about Jesus, but they don't love him. They study him, they look for leadership principles from him, but they don't love him. So love Jesus, grow in becoming more like him. Ephesians 4 15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Not ourselves, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. And who is the body? The church. Who is the church? Raise your hand. It's all of us. We're all the body of Christ. We're the church. That's who he's talking about, and, and he's the head of all of us. See, the pride of knowing Jesus, just knowing him, can replace the humility of growing in Jesus. If we just want to know and know and know and more and more and more, but we don't become like Jesus, then the pride of knowing him takes away the humility of growing in him. Philippians 3, 8 and 9, as we read, says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So the Bible is not saying everything has no value. It's saying when you compare to Jesus Christ, a lot is worthless. Everything else is worthless. When you compare with the infinite value of knowing, Jesus, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And then it continues, For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. So it starts off with the knowledge, with the infinite value of knowing. And then it says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And so what Paul is saying is, knowing Christ is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. It's becoming more like Jesus. So when we know Christ, we don't stop there. We become more and more like him. And for some of us, as the Bible is saying, we need to discard certain things that hinder us from gaining Christ. Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. If you're taking notes, you want to circle that, that word, his name, Jesus. Because here's where we go wrong. And here's where we got to discard this type of mentality or perspective. Sometimes we focus more on other people than we focus on Jesus Christ. And because we're focusing on other people, when they let us down, or they say something to us, or we see them doing something that's kind of questionable, it's kind of like it affects our faith. 
Rather than saying, wait a minute, yeah, I understand, okay, they're doing that, that's their decision, they're going to go through what they're going to go through, but Lord, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you. The people who I've seen fix their eyes on Jesus, boy, they're, they're steadfast in who they are in Jesus Christ. They're unshakable, and they're able to persevere through the most difficult of times because they're fixing their eyes on Jesus. But once we fix our eyes on people, boy, that now we're going to struggle because that's not biblical. If we're doing something unbiblical, unbiblical, of course we're going to struggle. So the Bible says, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. And why does the Bible say to fix our eyes on Jesus? Because he's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Some time ago, actually Christmas, can I get that, Brandon? Uh, Heidi bought me this thing uh, for Christmas. And like, I, I try my best to, you know, stay healthy. So Heidi buys me this vest. No, it's not bulletproof. Because I'm like, wow, that dangerous. I've been on pastor. It's not a bulletproof bag. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate the bag too. Lovely. So this vest comes with different weights, and you have all kinds of weights. This is just sand. Okay, Brandon? It's letting you know because he's a police officer. Some of you guys laughing. I know why you guys laughing. Putting. So I have all these weights in here. Now these weights are only one pound each. Not too heavy, very light. And it came with 16 pounds of these um, weights. And so there's, there's six in here. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to run with six pounds. I thought, oh, that's going to be good. So when I started running, I thought, oh, I should have went with two. Six sounds very easy, sounds light. Even right now, it's very light. But once I started running, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this thing is heavy. It's like when you carry something light for a long time. You know how your arms get weary? That's what the Bible is talking about that we have this weight attached to us and sometimes we put more weight inside our lives and we're being weighted down and the Bible is saying, what are you doing? You're going to tire yourself. You're going to become weary, frustrated. You're going to be irritated quicker than you normally would and you're going to slow yourself down in this life, in this race that I have given to you. And not in the way of slowing down as a sense of taking your time and you know, enjoying life. That's different but in the sense of who God wants you to become. That sometimes now we're hindered because we have all of this weight on us. So the Bible tells us, for his sake, I have discarded everything else. In other words, I've taken off this that is uh, an, an encumbrance or as a sin. Some of us, there are sins that we got to take off, and then there are encumbrances. Not everything that weighs us down is a sin. There are certain things in our life, and sometimes we'll put it back on and we'll say, okay, I can, I can kind of deal with this. I can, I can have this attitude. I can, I can be like this. I'll be okay. It's them. It's other people. But then the Lord is saying, but that's holding you down. Or I'm hanging on to unforgiveness, and you say, yeah, but, you know, it's their fault. And, and it could be. But then God is saying, but you're holding yourself down. They're not suffering. They're happy. They're celebrating. You're weighing yourself down. So in 2014, as we close, just take this off and just say, I'm done with that. I'm going to do this. Number two, and you can write this in, forget my past and look forward to what lies ahead. Forget the past, look forward to what lies ahead. But it's hard. I can't. It's so difficult. And that's understandable. 
Your feelings are valid. Your emotions are valid. What you've gone through is real. And no one else will probably be able to understand it but you. And at the same time, you don't forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead as a way to sweep things under the rug or to deny what you've gone through or suppress. You learn from the past. But what the Bible is saying is don't stay there. That you continuously move forward because God is not a stale uh, lake. He's not, he's not a, 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 just a, a ditch of water that there's no flow in and flow out. No, he's a rushing water. He's a river. He's a river of life. So when the Bible says to, I forget the past and I look ahead, it's not saying denial. It's saying, no, we learn from these things, but we must continue to look forward. You know what is interesting is, I think men and women are different uh, only because of how we're made up. For some reason, men, we can just, ah, no worries, forget it. Ah, no problem. And I don't know if that's suppression or we're just not emotionally attached. And then sometimes for women, you can be emotionally attached. And it could be because you're the moms. You know, you have to have the emotion because you're raising up this child and, and the way you are with the baby, you're, you're emotional with the baby. Dads are not really emotional with the baby. And we can be, but not as much as mommies. When babies cry and babies, you know, have a, a situation then the mommy usually will go to the baby. Some dads will. And then as the baby grows up, if the baby falls down, baby's crying, we'll run to mommy because mommy will nurture. Dad will look at it and say, ah, that's only dirt or ah, no more blood. And if get blood, no more bone. And if get bone, ah, you can put cast. So it's kind of like dads are, we just have a different type of emotional gauge in our lives. Or even like when we're walking, uh, like men, if we're walking and we trip, we can fall and go, oh, oh, ah. How's it, brother? You okay? Oh, man, my ankle. Yeah, just walk them off. Walk them off. It's okay. It's okay. No, you sure? Yeah, I good. I good. You need help? No, no, I good. Oh, scuff my shoes. Man, I just bought this. And you're dusting it off. Women are different. Women were tripping. Whoa, whoa. You okay? No, I'm good. <laughs> like nothing happened. Like you deny it. It just didn't even happen. And everybody's like, no, you're okay. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Just keep walking. Don't, even, don't look at me. Just keep walking. Keep walking. Why? Like, we can do that when we're walking, but then when it comes to life, we hang on to stuff. I don't know why. So when you want to forget something, just think of how you are when you trip. Because when you trip, you don't want anyone to notice. You don't want anyone to see what happened. You don't want anyone to look at you. You just kind of, ah, forget it, forget it. Put it on the side. We can... We can get rid of stuff quick. And we choose to do that because we're thinking of us. We don't want to stay in that situation. We don't want to stay embarrassed. We don't, we don't want to think about it. We move on. And that can be a healthy thing. It's not saying deny. It's not saying the Bible is not saying what you've experienced is not real. What the Bible is saying is you're going to go through grief. You're going to go through emotion. You're going to go through the pain and suffering. You're going to come to me. You're going to experience my grace. But you don't stay in that suppressive mode. You don't stay down. You don't, you don't fall and trip and then stay there. You get back up. You'll dust yourself off. 
you put back your lip gloss and then you'll check your eyeliner and all of that. And man, you'll, you'll clean off your shoe and, and dust off your pants. But then you keep moving forward. You don't sit there on the curb and say, no, I'm falling on a trip. I'm putting me. Who can build this thing? Oh, it's the engineers. This thing is wrong. The speed bump. The thing that being paint. I mean, maybe you go through that, but you don't stay there. You actually move on. And what the Bible is telling us is focus on this one thing. Moving on. That's how you can continue to move forward. You focus. But you don't focus on the past, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, the betrayal, the lies, and all of that. You learn from it. But then you focus on this one thing. You look ahead. Because that's where Jesus is. He'll be there. He'll help. Then he'll say, okay, it's time to go. Oh, he'll be with you every step of the way. He'll even slow down for you. Because the Bible says he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. But we got to look ahead. Paul says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Hebrews 2.3 says, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Think of what Jesus went through more than what you've gone through. Because if we're still focusing on ourselves, then we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus. Anytime you and I go through something and it's, it's difficult, go back to the cross. Go back to what Jesus did for us. As the Bible says, look at him. Focus on what he went through, the hostility that he endured from sinful people like us, from people that turned our backs on him, the people like us who said things against God. And then we see what he went through. It kind of gives us almost like ah, room to breathe, almost like saying, Lord, you went through so much more than I could ever go through, and still you love me, and you, you still went to the cross. You could have bailed out, but you didn't. After Peter, one of the apostles, denies Jesus, remember they sat down and uh, it was on the shore, and this is after Jesus died on the cross, and then they saw Jesus, but they didn't really know if it was him. And then Peter jumped out of the boat, swam to shore, and because they kind of felt like, wow, that is the Lord. But then he sat down with Jesus, and look at how Jesus responds to Peter in John 21, verse 15. And this is after Peter denied Christ three times. After breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, and I'm wondering if Peter is thinking in his head, do you regret what you did? Do you know what you did? I wonder if Peter is thinking, you know how we can think before someone says words? I wonder if Peter is thinking, oh, here it comes. Do you know how bad you are? Do you know that you denied me? Do you know that my prediction came true? Do you know that? And I'm wondering, if, did Peter even go through that? But it really doesn't matter because this is what Jesus says. Do you love me more than these? That's the heart of Christ. And Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, feed my lambs. See, Jesus never brought up Peter's shortcomings nor his mistakes. In other words, what he was saying to Peter was, where you are today and where I see you in the future far outweighs any mistake you made. I've forgiven you of that already. But I see where you're heading. And I can see your potential. I know the plans that I have for you. It's like he's saying that. We're just asking Peter, do you love me? Love motivates us forward. So if you're ever struggling with any, 
any moving forward or anything, go back to loving Jesus. Go back to fixing your eyes on Jesus. If Jesus forgets our mistakes and our past, our wrongs against him, if he forgets that, and he he does that by choice, if he forgets it, how much more should we? We should be the ones that says to him, because of your love, I can see forward. Because I can see forward, you're going to give me the strength to take every step of the way there, one by one, by doing this. Number three, being renewed. That we would just ask him, Lord, I want to be renewed. I, I can't do this on my own, Lord. I, whatever I go through, whatever 2014 brought, I, I want to be renewed. 2014 might have been the best year of your life. Imagine if God could still renew us, that he would renew our minds and the way we did things, that he would help us to become more and more the person he sees us to be. As Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the spirit of the living God to renew us. If it was only up to us, we wouldn't need him. And many of us have tried on our own. I've tried on my own. I said, Lord, forget it already. You renew me. Holy Spirit, renew me. Now, with that comes some troubles, some heartache, some pain, because with any renewal, he has to burn that which does not belong there. So anytime I'm going through a trial, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I prayed for this. I prayed to be renewed. I won't know if I'm no longer an angry person if I'm in a situation where I'm supposed to get angry. I don't know if I'm, impatient, if I'm patient anymore or if I'm growing impatience if I'm not in a situation that I am supposed to be impatient. I don't know if I'm better now at yelling at my children if I'm not in a situation where my children did something that I usually would yell at them with or my spouse. So he's going to put us in situations to let us know you're growing or not. It's going to happen. It's going to happen tonight. Tonight will be the test to see if we're going to be renewed. When you say to your spouse, oh, go grab that from the car, and she says, what? grab what from the car? I told you grab the rice. I didn't grab the rice. I told you get it on the way. I didn't get it. And you start fighting, that's going to be your test right there. Or if you lock your keys in the cars, please don't lock your keys in the cars tonight. But if that does happen, it's going to be your test. If somebody spills something in the car, spills something at the party or does something, it's going to be your test. When someone says something to you tonight, it's going to be your test. When brother come over, I'll get everybody, and he's a little bit, you know, been drinking, it's going to be your test. How are you going to respond to people? We will be tested because God wants us to pass, not fail. How else will we know if we're being renewed? He's going to put us in those situations the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 18, 31, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? Go get a new heart, he's saying. Go get a new heart and a new spirit. What do you mean, go get it? How do you just go get it? God is the author of new hearts. That's why, it's, that's why the Bible in Ezekiel, he can say, go get it. He's not saying, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to go through all of these things. Here's the checklist you have to do, A, B, C, all the way through Z. You got to do all these things, and then you qualify for a new heart. Just go get it. Where do I get it? From the Lord. 
Is it that simple? Absolutely. Why? Because he died for us. He did the hard stuff so we can do the easy things. And that's asking for a brand new heart and a brand new spirit to be renewed for 2014. He can do it. Rid yourselves of all the offensive all the offenses that you have committed. Just say, Lord, forgive me. 1 John 1, 9 says, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins when we confess it to Him. And all unrighteousness, we just got to confess it to Him. He can make us brand new. Don't worry about what other people will say. Just trust in the Lord that when you renew yourself with Him, He washes everything clean. Brand new. Brand new. Be renewed. I know a lot of people have the flu right now and they're, you know, people are sick and, and some of you are going through things and we're going to pray in just a moment. But isn't it true that when someone has the flu, this is what happens. Like you can be in a room full of people and someone comes in, <laughs> sorry guys, I get the flu. Everybody's like, oh, okay, good, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good, I'm, okay. We'll, we'll pray for you, stay over there, we'll pray for you. And then we, we almost like exclude ourselves from that. Now, that's just a, a kind of a fun way to think of what actually happens. That's why we have all these dispensers with the thing. But we, we treat the flu like that. Treat offenses like that. Treat the things that hold us down like that. And we say, Lord, wash me clean. I, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. I don't want to go anywhere near that. I don't want to get infected by that. I know what it's like. I want to lay aside all of the encumbrances that weigh me down. I want to follow you. I want to be more like you. I want to look ahead into this year of renewal and be different because of who you are, not who I am. And we let God do that. Can you say amen to that? Let's look forward to 2015, okay? Let's do that. Let's look forward to what God is going to do in 2015. Now, some of you, you serve here, and we've asked some of you to be here tonight. I know our prayer ministry is here. I've asked our staff to be here. Uh, and uh, what we're going to do is pray just for a couple of minutes. And part of looking into 2015 being our year of renewal, uh, I wanted to pray over those who oversee different ministries that uh, are connected with people. You know, the church doesn't revolve around one person except Jesus Christ. And then all of us as the body of Christ work together. So he's, he's called us all to serve in some type of way. So if you oversee a ministry uh, of some sort, I'm just going to ask if you could stand and come forward. We're going to pray over you. And I know normally we have you pray over us sometimes. Uh, even our staff, if our staff can come forward and let me tell you why we're doing this. Even if you oversee a small group, uh, you oversee a Bible study of some kind, um, uh, what else, uh, hospital ministry, just think of any, anything that you do or even volunteer in the church that, okay, I, I'm a part of that, that we're going to pray over all of you because we want you and all of us to understand that we're going to do this together next year. That as a church body, as a body of Christ, we're going we're gonna to love people into his kingdom together as the body of Christ. And yeah, it'll be one relationship at a time, but it will be together as the body of Christ. So we can, we can come. Yeah, don't be scared. It's just family. And uh, I'm going to ask if you all could stand together. And we're going to pray tonight. Thank you, Thelma, for being here tonight. She oversees our bookstore. 
so precious. But yeah, come. And uh, as the body, Whitney, yeah, you and Ernest, you guys have a, a care group, so come. You guys are amazing. Fit for Christ, Arnessa. Love it. That's right. Kaji Kimball. Yeah, so just come forward. And, and, and for those of us who are, are here tonight, uh, we're going to pray over those that are here. And I know some of you, you serve, and just coming through the seats are kind of awkward, but um, I, know, I know you serve. So we're going to pray for all of those who volunteer and, and those who serve. Uh, and if you're around uh, these people, just stretch your hand forward. Could you do that? And we're just going to pray for all of those that are serving here tonight. Lord, we just thank you for this family right here. We pray over all of these who are volunteering, those who oversee our council members, our elders, those that oversee groups of people, that you would bless them, Lord, their families, take care of their children. I thank you that we are in a place that we can love one another, that we can grow together in you to become more like you. I pray your hand upon each person, even those that are here tonight, Lord, that may not be volunteering yet, and maybe you're calling them to serve somewhere, and maybe for various reasons they're not able to right now, but we pray that you would make a way for all of us as the body of Christ to serve you with all of the gifts you've given to us, that we wouldn't waste our gift. I pray that many will come to know you as Lord and Savior through all of us. It's not the pastor, Lord, that oversees this church. You're the head of this church. We're the body of Christ, Lord. All of us put together, each has a specific role, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, we pray once again for your blessing. We pray for health, Lord, and wholeness. We pray for all those that are sick right now. We pray your healing touch on their bodies. Our children are sick and those who are in the hospital, Lord. We pray that they would feel your presence. Those who have lost a loved one, Lord, this year, we pray for your grace and your strength. We pray for our community, Lord, that is going through the lava right now and and all of those worries. We pray that you would give your provision and your guidance and your wisdom. We also pray that as a community, we will continue to look forward to the wonderful things of God, that people will come to know you as Lord and Savior through each person here. We represent you, Lord, with the body of Christ, and we should be proud of being called Christians. We thank you for allowing us the privilege of following you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen. Amen.